Um, yeah, we're going to talk about relationships, so I'm glad that it's, uh, it's kind of light because, woo, it's going to be some good thoughts to be shared today because w- when we said yes, last week that we want to we help you take control of the 167 hours of a week that you're not in church, we were serious. And so, to, and we know for you to win in your relationship with God out there, you need to win with relationships, amen? And so today we're going to talk about specifically friendships. Now, we know that there are many relationships, and kind of the first point we want to make today is that relationships really matter. They matter to God, but they also matter to you, and uh, um, it's important for us to get the thing about relationships right, and um, there's many types of relationships one should have in your life, you know, like mentorship relationships, and every one of us should have somebody that we're pouring into in terms of a mentee, mentor relationship, but, but then we also need to have friends, and, um, and, and a, fr- a friendship relationship technically is a relationship that's a little bit of both. You know, you can, it's kind of a give and take scenario, you know, where um, so there are relations, friendship relationships where you know you're, you're the one that's really benefiting most from it. Come on, let's be honest. Okay? <laughs> and th- but then there's also relationships where you know that, man, this guy's lucky to have me in his life, right? And yet it's not, come on now, don't get religious on me. <laughs> but then there's also this, um, you know, there's this, 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 uh, this realization that it's not an official thing. It's not officially I'm discipling you or you're, you know, you're discipling me or you're my mentor or nothing. No, it's just we're, we're, we're friends and we really like hanging out together. It should be fun to hang out with a friend, right? Nobody likes to be around people whom it's entirely duty and work to hang out with, right? So that person is probably not going to become your friend. But if you have to place where you can be comfortable with somebody, then that's good. And, 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 and we all need that. We all need that. So our, our theme of our kind of series is relational intelligence. And what we want to do is we want to help you define and align yourselves to the right relationships. Because we're all going to have too many relationships to full on treat the same uh, across the board. And so you kind of need to know which ones are the ones that are most important to you that you need to invest most of your energy and time in. And which are those that, that they're going to be on the periphery. And um, it's kind of it's weird to think about it that like that. But we'll get into some reasoning soon why that is important. But first let me say this. God wants you in relationships with people that can benefit you and your walk with God. Amen? All right, he does. Yeah, for sure. And you know what? Because that's linked to your purpose. And if you read in Genesis 2 with me, verse 18, God says this. He says, it's not good that man should be alone. Now, I know it's about, you know, a girl in this scenario, but you can take the principle from it because if you think about it, Adam was not on his own. All right? It wasn't like he was on his own. Man, he was walking with God. There was no sin at this point in the, in the game. And he was walking with God literally every day closely. I mean, they were doing stuff together. It's not like he had zero companionship. And yet God says, look, your purpose requires you to have somebody that is going to be a suitable mate to you. And so God places people in our lives for a purpose. How many of you know... That whatever God does in our lives for the goods, it's often the case that the enemy mimics that. He kind of gives a counterfeit of that, but for your disbenefit, for your for for, for for to hurt you, right? And so sometimes there are people in our lives that, you know, the enemy put there, you know, like 
no, not your mother-in-law. She was not put, don't, don't, I knew where you were going with that thought. See, don't go there, you know, don't make your, your in-laws your outlaws. Um, not by virtue of my preaching today, please, that, that, that'd, be, that'd be on your own. No, I'm just joking. Um, but there are people that sometimes, you know, they're, they're really a bad influence on us. And if we give them the wrong place in our lives, they will affect us for the worse. Right? And so God has placed people that are suitable to help us fulfill our purpose in our lives. We need to discover those people. We need to put them in the right position in our lives. And then we need to build things in our lives around that. And so we're going to help you guys with that today. So for us to win in the 167, we really need to win relationally. And um, God has got some amazing principles in Scripture that can help us identify those people that we need to have in our lives. Also, um, for those of you who came in while the tables were still out there and people were, what was all that about? Well, we're starting a whole new life group semester this weekend. And so uh, we want to encourage you to even take the, the reasoning behind what we're going to say today to just apply towards considering a life group, considering walking with a couple of people in your journey with God. Okay, so the question I want to ask you today, those relationships, those people that you're deeming to be your friends in your life right now, are you... Are you influencing them or are they influencing you? What is the influence that they're having on you? And what is the influence you're having on them? And I hope that through answering those questions today, we might know maybe there's going to be some repentance happening. I hope that's always a place, you know, a good place to repent is, you know, when you're with other Christians and you're responding to God's word. <laughs> trying to align your life, your thinking. Repent means to change your thinking so that you think the way God thinks and reasons about stuff. Because whatever we think, the way we think determines how we go ahead and living our lives. So we need to align our thoughts with God. Um, to make sure that we're not the ones that are getting people to divert from their purpose in God. To make sure that we're being the kind of friends that we hope others would be to us. Come on, can I get an amen for that? Amen. All right, good. So am I in their lives for their good or they're in my life for, for, for my good? And, and what is the scenario? And let me, let me just do a little stock take here today uh, with, with, with people around me to find out um, if I'm doing what, what, what King Solomon is saying in Proverbs 13, whoever walks with the wise will become wise. But... The companion of fools will suffer harm. The companion of fools will suffer harm. If you had friendships that led to you suffering harm, it's probably because you've been hanging out with some fools. Now, I know sometimes we just joke around. We go like, hey, fool, what are you doing? You know? It's not that kind of fool, you know. I like having fools like that in my life, you know, that I can get down with and we can just, you know, trash talk and have fun. But at the end of the day, when I am getting off my purpose, when I'm walking away from things and disciplines that I need to be staying on top of to get the image of Jesus Christ formed in my heart so that my lifestyle can reflect Him, I need those friends to say, whoa, stop the bus right here. What's going on over there? I need that phone call that says, hey, buddy, I've been praying for you. What's going on? No, 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 no. That's not the answer I'm looking for. Come on now. Get straight with me. How's your relationship with your wife? What's going on with your kids? We all need that friend, those friends who will actually hear of God 
on our behalf and motivate us towards God's purpose for our lives, not just motivates us towards having a good time. Amen? And so we're going to look into how that looks and how do, how do we do that today. So King Solomon is saying in this, in this scripture verse, whoever walks with the wise become wise, that basically your, your whole life, every part of your life, your spiritual life, your emotional life, but also practically, you know, your professional life, your, your career, all of those things are impacted by the kind of friends you have. I don't know about you, but I've, um, I've sometimes sat around a barbecue pit, you know, with people just in a visiting, etc. And then somebody, um, you know, obviously as a result of some, uh, 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 some, you know, consumption of certain beverages, comes up with this great business idea. You know, and it's like, man, if somebody would just go and sell this, that spot, man, they'll make a killing, I tell you. And then I go, yeah, probably not that much that you're thinking right now. But no, man, the, the, the more, you know, the fluids flow, the greater that business opportunity seems, you know. And then there's this, this fool who goes, you know what, I'm going to do that. And you go, oh, here we go. Another companion of fools that's going to suffer harm. And sure enough, you know, they buy that thing and they make massive expenses and they didn't realize that there was this and that and that and boom, didn't work out that great. And, you know, you kind of are the one that goes, eh, I don't want to say that I told you so, but I told you so. It happens that sometimes, you know, we're just not in the most healthy of environments to be receiving business advice from. Can you, can, can you guys agree with that? Okay. But the same thing also. It's like, you know, the other day I was speaking to somebody and, 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 and they were like, you know, um, can, can I divorce my husband? You know, just a straight question like that. I said, is there grounds for me to divorce my husband? And then she went out and she explained to me like, you know, uh, her friends have been telling her, you know, and she went on and explained how that, you know, the friends and the, all the advice that the friends gave her. I said to her, well, I'm not so sure about, you know, what the friends told you, but um, here's what the Bible would say to you. And I explained to her what really truly are biblical grounds for divorce. And, um, and she was just like so thankful that somebody actually confronted her with the truth because she was about to make the stupidest decision in her life based on the advice of friends. Let me tell you, if your friendship advice do not align with what the Bible would say to a person, you're not a very good friend at that moment. But sometimes it's hard to bring our advice to other people in line with Scripture because we might make ourselves unpopular, you know. And um, we might, it might not be that, that easy for them to receive that. But that's where relational intelligence becomes a really important thing because you need to first and foremost define for yourself what type of friend am I going to be to people? Am I just going to be that friend that just, you know, tells them, hey, you know, follow your heart, whatever, whatever is good for you, you know, just you need to be happy in life. And, you know, and then you'll probably use scripture in a very contorted way to go like, you know, God wants what's good for you. So, you know, just go ahead and kill the man. Then there's that principle of, you know, Scripture having to align. Our interpretation of Scripture in one part of it needs to align with the interpretation of Scripture in, or what the Scripture reveals in other parts of it. And so you can't just use the Bible however which way you feel will help you gain benefit from the situation and your friend have a good old time. 
there are standards that we as Christians have aligned ourselves to, and it's called the Lordship of Jesus Christ. And we allow Him to set the boundaries. We allow Him to call the shots. Because the thing is that, you know, you know, temp and bowling, when, you, when, you, when you've got kids playing temp and bowling, they put those little, those little guardrails on, right? Why? Because they want that ball to actually hit some pins, <laughs> not just go into the gully. To the, Jesus has put some guardrails in our lives. Why? Because He wants us to hit our purpose. He wants us to reach our mark that he has set before us to reach. And, and for that, oftentimes, is friends that are the guardrails in our lives. That goes like, eh, 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 go this way a little bit. Come this way a little bit. Ah, eh. I don't think you should be spending that much time with those people. Come and spend more time over here. It's not, for you, not good for you to just wander off and be on your own. You need to have time with people that are positive influences in your life. Can anybody resonate with this at all? Right, so the relational intelligence, relational intelligence, the ability to define and align your relationships correctly or according to what biblical standards would define. Now, I know that we're going to have relationships that we can't do much about. You know, we all have family that we're a part of that, you know, they're not necessarily the best influences in our lives, but they're family, you know. And so I'm not going to eject them out of my life or I'm going to like completely divorce myself from everybody that's, that's having a, a bad influence on me. We're working with people that might not be healthy and have relationship with Jesus. How many of you can uh, put your hand up for that? Um, and, uh, but here's what you can do. You can decide what place they have in your life. You can decide the influence they have on you. And you can put them in their rightful place in your life so that you spend 80% of your time with the 20% of people that is going to put towards your purpose and help you fulfill the goal of God on your life. All right, but that becomes that becomes a a bit of a thing, you know, because we often think like, man, you know, how can I, you know, how can I claim that I'm a Christian and choose not to spend time with certain people? Isn't that hypocritical? Well, no, not really. Bottom line is um, Jesus did the same thing. Jesus lived his life in a way as to show us how to place people in the right place in their lives and how to share certain parts of his life with people and not share it with other people because of what he had to accomplish. He needed certain people in his life and so do you. But let's first look at um, this defining relationships. You know, how do we go about defining our friendship relationship specifically more today i'll read you proverbs 28 no 18 verse 24 from the facebook version and it says the following basically a friend is someone who may or may not know you well but who accepts your friend request on facebook and this person is born to like and comment on your posts to make you feel good about yourself now you know how to define a friend according to Facebook. But let's use the Bible rather, and, and, and the Bible would say this to us. One who has unreliable friends soon comes to ruin. But there's a friend who sticks closer than a brother. There is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. One who has unreliable friends is living an unsupported life. And if you look at how Jesus um, position himself among a group of people, you'll see that even the Savior of the world needed support from fellow human beings. 
And so Jesus had these 12 people that he called his disciples, but in John 15, he goes further and starts calling them his friends, whom he asked to follow him and who did and eventually became more than just followers or servants, uh, according to his own declaration of, of them, they became friends because he had revealed to them who he was. And he had told them what he was about and what he was going to do. And so they were in on his life and they could see things other people couldn't see. And yet they chose to remain with him. How many of you had a person duck out of your life because you revealed some of your junk to them? I've had that. That hurts. That's tough. But you know what? God wants you to not stay there. He wants you to move through that heal up from that because he wants to put people in your life that is not going to duck that's not going to shy away from learning who you truly are and yet stay walking with you yet keep journeying with you um so the bible says but there's that friend who sticks closer than a brother you know it's often important for us to to realize that jesus will make certain people become so close to us that that we we how many of you have a have a friendship that you know have a relationship with your life they're not blood of you but you have such a deep bond with them that you know it's almost like they're closer friends to you than your own brothers i have about four relationships like that in my life uh unfortunately many of them are in south africa right now no they're actually not south africa indonesia and some of them are traveling. Uh, they also live in other parts of the world. But I've been walking with these men, and they know me through and through. They know all my weaknesses. They know all my mistakes. Um, they know how I've at times disappointed my wife. They know how I've at times, you know, messed up my my responsibilities at work. They knew when I got fired. They knew when I got reinstated. Yes, I have gotten fired from ministry before. It's a story for another day. Um, but the bottom line is they chose to keep walking with me regardless of my failures and regardless of my weaknesses. Every single person needs friends like that in their life. Um, and those friends are to me closer than some of my own family, right? Because of how I get to share with them, because of what I get to share with them. And knowing that if I share this with them, it's not going to hurt them. <laughs> they will help me through it and they will help me grow up through it and, and become better um, so culture's definition of friendship is people in your life you like for what they give you but the bible's definition of friendship is people in your life who are concerned for your well-being not just what they get out of the connection with you they're concerned for your well-being. And the only real true way you can be concerned for somebody else's well-being is if you know where God wants them to go and you're in there trying to work on them to go towards that. That is what the Bible says true friendship looks like. Not just that I can have a good time with you, but also that I've, that I've heard from God who you can be and I am praying for you, and I am sharing with you, and trying to inspire you, and hopefully um, influencing you towards that place where you become what I saw of you, which I saw God wants to do through your life. 
How many of you have a friend like that who really will pray for you and really contradict you if you move away from where God wants you? You're a blessed person. Let me ask this to you also. Are you that friend to somebody else? Are you ever taking the time to pray for that friends or for, for, for your friends to try and be a true biblical God honoring friend to them? God wants us as, as a church to grow to that place where each and every one of us have a relationship or a couple of them and are a relationship to others like that. And so if you're not that, it's time for you to start sowing that kind of a, of, a, of a friendship to other people. It's time for you to start thinking, how can I pray for and what can I hear of God? I have a friend who literally, I mean, he would call me basically every second week and he would go like, hey man, what can I pray for you for? You know, and uh, then we get to share what I'm going through and, and then he prays for me, you know. And that is the kind of friend that we want and friendship we want to cultivate in our, in our lives. Because let's be honest, um, if, if everybody in this room tries to get a hold of me during the week to have a conversation about challenges that they're going through, by virtue of the fact that there is not enough time in a week, I'm not going to be able to help everybody. <laughs> right? And that's why our church doesn't just depend on the pastors to be there for the people. We have created a leadership structure where there are multiple leaders in the church that are soon going to be reaching out to you to say, hey, become a part of a group of people that are just going to walk together and we're just going to learn more about Jesus. And think about how you can respond today to that, to start yourself on a journey of building together with a group of people that are healthy friendships. Okay, so let's get back to Jesus. So Jesus is our example of relational intelligence. He teaches us that everybody teaches us that everybody should be loved. Jesus loved everybody the same. He loved everybody with the same compassion and the same godly, self-sacrificial love uh, across the board. He also taught us that everybody needs to be valued. In other words, that every single person has value. And that God has placed His image to a degree on every person. We're called to be, we've lost His image because of sin, but it can be restored. And because of the inerrant value of God's image in every human being, every single human being is to be valued and seen as somebody with purpose, seen as somebody who God has a plan for and that God can use to make a big difference in this world. Amen? Every single person needs to be valued. But not everybody has to be treated the same. You don't have to treat everybody the same. You can make distinction because Jesus made distinction. Romans 13, 8, it says, Oh, no man anything but love. So it's very clear that you have to love everybody. And we are empowered by His grace to love everybody. But if, but if, you, if you look at Jesus, He had these 12 men that He would share way more deeper things with that he did not share with the crowds. And he most definitely did not share with his critics. All right? And sometimes we try to, we try to be most friendly with our critics. And that's messed up. That's messed up. You, don't need, you do not need to seek the favor of your critics the whole time. Okay? God needs you to build and invest in relationships that's going to add value to you and that, that, that you're going to benefit from. Jesus had these 12 men that he was walking with. Even in the 12, he had another three that he revealed even greater things to. 
right? So you remember Peter, James, and John? They got to see Jesus transfigured on the mount and uh, Moses and Elijah appearing with God to minister to Jesus. They got to see Jesus, how Jesus was going to look post the cross. Now that information was so confidential, Jesus said to him, tell nobody what you saw. Nobody had to know what they saw on that mountain until he was actually resurrected and they could for themselves also see the resurrected Christ. But think of the privilege they had in Jesus' life and go like, well, man, if I was part of the 12, I just wouldn't have had, I would have been kind of upset, you know, if I, if, I, if I wasn't, you know, with Jesus to be, hey, you know what? The 12 was called to be that for other people, to be that in other people's lives. And you see Jesus value them equally by sending them all out into the world to make disciples. And each of them had their calling and each of them died a death for Jesus that honored him. And he didn't take value away from any one of them. And you know what? He even honored them differently. Like Stephen was the first martyr of the New Testament church, right? He preached the gospel to people, to his critics. He didn't try to please them. In fact, he preached at them and offended him so much that they ended up stoning him. You know, the Bible teaches us that um, Jesus, when he was, when he, when he uh, was, um, descended, no, ascended, the, the other one, when he ascended to heaven, he went and he sat at the right hand of God. And some would argue that, um, and reason that in honor of the first martyr, when Stephen looked up, he saw the Son of God standing next to God at God's right hand. Because Stephen was the first to die for the gospel. You don't hear anything that happened to Peter when he was crucified, even crucified upside down because he didn't feel worthy of being crucified in the same manner as his, as his Lord. This is not biblical, but, uh, uh, biblical um, material reading. It's not from the Bible. It's from uh, extra biblical sources that have been verified because of their um, consistency with what, what scripture teach. And um, historians who wrote about these things. But it's incredible to see that nowhere does it say that Jesus stood up for them. And so Christ valued people the same. He would like honor people and treat people differently. And so can we. We can decide who we allow closest to us. And who we are going to love, value and walk with. Because we see God's purpose on their lives. Because we want them to grow in their relationship with Jesus. Because of the love that God has placed in our hearts for them. And so you also see those three disciples see Jesus at his worst. And so you need to ask yourself, am I trustworthy? Can I see people at their worst? Can I see people's junk and still love them the same, and still believe the same of them that God can do through them. If people reveal stuff to me, is it safe, or does it leak? These are questions we need to ask ourselves, because if we're going to build good relationships, then these are the kind of actions that we need to take, right? And so Peter, James, and John, they saw Jesus in the garden when he was in absolute agony. In fact, the anguish that he went through, the stress that he went through, the pressure was so much that it caused literal blood to come out of his brow. And it's been confirmed as a medical condition, people who are under such severe stressful situations, that in fact it can make 
blood vessels burst and uh, uh, sweat appear with blood in it because of the intense pressure that they're having to deal with at that moment. They saw, they saw Jesus at that moment of his life where he was weak and where he was, he was crying out to God for, you know, just for an out. And still said, no, no, I will, Lord, your will be done. They saw that and they did not despise him for it. Even though they probably was asleep for much of it, but still. Um, Jesus allowed them to see him at his top, at his greatest victory moment. And they also allowed, he also allowed them to see him at his weakest. Um, and everybody needs that that unit, that little inner circle where you can be safe and vulnerable and absolutely real, but still be pointed towards your destiny and not lose the hope to which God has called you. God wants that for us. And so what you've got to do is you've got to guard your heart. Proverbs 4.23, guard your heart above, hearts above all things because out of it flow is every issue of life. It determines the course of your life, says, uh, says the NLT version. And, 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 and so you want to make sure that you guard your heart. You don't just let anybody into that space, right? If somebody isn't helping you towards Jesus and growing in Christ, you don't let them into that particular space in your life. But some people go too far and they start putting up walls because they got hurt, because they got disappointed. And like nobody can come through a wall. Very few people will try and bust through a wall to get into your life. But if there's a gate that you control access with, people can knock. And you know what? In a while, some people are going to knock on your door right out there in the lobby. They're going to go, hey, don't you, want to, don't you want to allow us into some of your heart space? Come and join us for a little journey of building together, getting to know one another, praying for one another, walking together where we get to learn about Jesus and each other and we help one another close the gap between where Jesus wants us to live and where we currently are. I need help to close that gap. Everybody needs help to close that gap. And somebody's going to come knocking real soon. Open up the gate. Open up the gate to some people. And you know what? It takes time to get to learn people a little and to get to trust people a little. But our life group spaces have always been these great confidential places where people honor what gets shared and yet do not use that against you. But just uses that as a, yeah, that's, that's just, that's ground zero. We're going to build from here and we're going to pray for you and trust God to see who you are in the spirit. You know, the Bible says from now on, no, no one according to the flesh anymore. What does that mean? It means that I need to, when I look at you, pray, Lord, tell me who you see this is. Tell me who you see this is. And let me see your, this person in front of me's life through your redemptive lenses. Let me see who you made this person to become. And let me start treating that person as that, as they grow in character to eventually close that gap in reality as well. So there are four aspects of, we want people to know that you're, you're going to look for people like this in your life, but also you're going to try to be this kind of a friend to other people in your life. Amen? Number one, a friend who will refresh you. A friend who will refresh you. Proverbs 27, we're going to read a couple of verses from that. Nine says, sweet friendships refresh the soul. 
and awaken our hearts with joy. For good friends are like the anointing oil that yields the fragrant incense of God's presence. You know, there's those people that just, they, they speak hope to your life. They make you feel like you can go for another day. There are friendships that you need in your life that will help you sign up again tomorrow to walk the journey with Jesus and not check out, not give up, not isolate, not throw in the towel, but take that cross and follow after Jesus again. Friends who will sharpen you. Two, a friend will be honest with you. Verse six says, you can trust a friend who wounds you. How many of you have heard a little bit of a rebuke from a friend and then you went, well, you know, here's what I think of you, number one, and then you just discarded that person out of your life. How many of you have done that before? I did that. That has been done to me before. And you know what? Sometimes those friends actually meant good. They were actually right. I just didn't want to hear it. I just didn't want to hear it. But you know what? That person is probably sent by God to get you back on track. And if you would drop that wall and open up a gate to let that person come into your life, it might not be easy, but it's going to be good. God wants you to allow friends like that into your life. Now, obviously, there are those who just judge and who just, you know, are, they mean to hurt. But so very often we confuse the two. We confuse the two. God wants us to have people in our life that will be honest with us. Um, did I miss point two? A friend who will sharpen you? Yeah, I think I did. Verse 17 says, As iron sharpens iron, a friend sharpens a friend. If there is no sharpening happening in your friendship with a person, well, unfortunately, that relationship isn't going to go, it's not going to take you anywhere. In fact, I would argue that there is no neutral friendships where you can just be and expect nothing to happen. Then in fact, if a friendship doesn't progress you towards Christ, you are regressing from Christ because you have an environment where there is absolutely no need for growth. And unfortunately, entropy kicks in. And entropy means that whatever is left to itself will, by nature, degenerate. It's not going to increase or improve. It's going to it's going to be destroyed. It's going to go, go backwards. And so, consider as we're talking, do I have these friends in my life? Am I being this kind of a friend to people around me? A friend who will be honest with you. goes on verse 6 to say, But your enemies pretended flattery comes with insincerity. Comes from insincerity. You know, you have those people that, you know, they, they just don't want you to change. Because they, they're, they like you the way you are now. They like what they're getting from you right now. They're not being sincere in motivating you to just calm down. Or not be so, you know, all out for Jesus. They're being selfish. They're not considering you and your destiny and your walk with Jesus at all. And then lastly, you want a friend who will strengthen and grow with you you a friend who will strengthen and grow with you i want to read you some um some verses from samuel 16 and um in this part we see a friendship that starts off and is really good 
degenerate into something very quickly because of this very point. A friend that strengthens you, but you're not willing to grow with them or they're not willing to grow with you. Let's read Samuel 1 Samuel 16. Saul loved David very much, it says. And David became his armor bearer. Like that was a very close and trusting relationship. Saul literally had a trust that this guy next to him has his back in the midst of the most fierce of battles. And that this guy would give his own life rather than let Saul be hit by a whatever arrow or attack of some sort. That was a highly, highly close trusting relationship. And Saul sent word to David's father asking, just let David remain in my service. I am very pleased with him. And so you see David having this relationship with Saul that Saul is just appreciating this relationship so much. And then a very short while after, just two chapters, I don't know how much time that really is, but you know, two chapters doesn't seem like that long. Two chapters later, it says, A harmful spirit from God rushed upon Saul and he raved within his house while David was playing a musical instrument that I have no idea how to pronounce. As he did normally. So Saul had his spear in his hand and he hurled it at David and he thought to himself, I will pin David to the wall. But David evaded him twice. So how do you go from, I love this guy. Just let him be with me permanently. I don't want him to leave my side too. I want to pin this boy to the wall with my spear. How do you go from here to there? Well, the devil's in the details. Between chapter 16 and 17, we see David starting to defeat some of Saul's enemies. In fact, he does such an impressive job that people start actually honoring David more than they honor Saul. And Saul becomes jealous. Why? Because David started outgrowing him. And because David started growing in his purpose and in where God was leading him, Saul's insecurity got the better of him. And he just wanted to get rid of David. He just wanted to get rid of that friendship that could have actually brought Saul closer to God again if he learned from David. God is still faithful yet and even though some of you are facing things like that, you've, you've started growing in your relationship with God and it might even be as, as intense as, as a marital relationship and you've made steps toward God but your wife hasn't or vice versa. Your husband have stayed stagnant and now this friendship is, 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 is tension because your life is confronting the other person's lifestyle and you're trying to grow but they're trying to drag you down just calm down just don't be so hyper for God you know you're becoming too spiritual would be what normally is said in those situations maybe you have a friend like that who's just like man you had an encounter with God here at church and you started you started living and reading your Bible and your lifestyle started aligning to His and all of a sudden you're no longer as available to go and you know, do all the nasty things that you used to do and this friend is like, man, you're, you're changing and you know, you're, not, you're not who you used to be. You're losing yourself. And you know what? You know who they are? Unfortunately, they're a friend who's not growing with you. 
and you need relationships in your life, some of those friends, even if it's your spouse, you can't get rid of them, unfortunately. That's part of your own consequences that you chose when you married them. And you're going to have to live and learn to live through that and trust God within that. But you need somebody who will still strengthen you and keep growing with you. And you need to seek out such relationships to keep you going in your purpose with God because you cannot allow any relationship to deter you from following God's call on your life. And you have to define what that relationship in your spiritual life is going to mean for you. And you might have to run for a while before they catch up, but you do that and you stay faithful with that. Because it's God that's calling you. And this is difficult, I know, but Jesus emphatically declares, if you do not love mother, father, husband, wife, children more than you love me, you're not worthy of me. So there's a priority that God wants us to get straight. He is first. He is first above every and every other thing. Then our spouses are second. Our children are third. And then comes our work. And then comes our friendships. And God wants a spouse to be there for their husband. But do you realize that if they can't be God's going to be faithful. Look at what happened here. As, Saul is, as David is losing this relationship with Saul, the Bible says in, in 18.1, as soon as he had finished speaking to Saul, the soul of Jonathan was knit to the soul of David, and Jonathan loved him as his own soul. And later on in, in, in 23 chapter, uh, David was at a, at a town, and, and he learned Saul had come to kill him. This is what the Bible says. And Saul's son Jonathan went to him and helped him find strength in God. God's going to place people in your life that can help you journey, that can help you walk this out. Are you ready to open up your heart to some people? Again, you don't have to open your heart to everybody. And you know what often happens is because people don't have the right place to share their stuff, they end up just sharing their stuff everywhere. And then often people hear about things of people's lives that they're not, I mean, I don't have that place in your life to be knowing this about you. I, can't, I don't know really how to do this with you. And unless you go and say, hey, I know I shared this with you. And, you know, will you pray for me? And will you help me? And you establish reason for why you opened that up. It becomes weird and difficult to handle. So God wants each and every one of us to have a, fa- a safe space where we can share the deepest, intimate failures and victories with people that'll help us to keep going in our, in, our, in, our, in our purpose. I want to pray over us today because I know this is, this is one of those moments where we have, to, we have to realize that when God puts up these guardrails around us, it's not to restrict us, it's to direct us that He has an amazing purpose in mind for us to walk in. But if we take, you know, the next exit left, or right, you guys take exits right. In South Africa, we take them left, right? You're going to miss your mark. You're going to miss your mark. And so let us all stand as we consider this. I want to pray over you because there's some... Some in here, some of us in here who really need to repent. We really need to ask God to 
to help us change our approach to relationships, the kind of friends that we are. And if that is where you're at, I want to pray with you now that you would make that decision and that commitment to God to be the kind of friend that would refresh people, that would speak truth to people, that would grow with people and and strengthen people and sharpen people. But He also calls on us to, to open up our hearts to certain people and to realize our own need for such friends. And um, maybe it's good that you're doing this week. Just have some good, honest conversation with some people in your life. It's like, hey man, I know we've been friends for a long time. And I, I'm really hoping that we can take our friendship to the next level where we really start trusting God to help one another grow. And if you have none of that, then man, right here outside that door are going to be people that want to walk with you, that want to know you, that wants to love you, and wants to be a friend to you. Let's all pray. Father, I pray that you will help us in this regard so that we will live our lives with the wise and grow wise and not suffer harm the whole time for how and who we have associated ourselves with. Father, I pray that as you have grace with us, that we'll have grace with everybody around us. But Father, that we will make wise decisions with whom we invest our lives in. And I pray that in Jesus' name. And Maybe you're here today and you haven't ever made the decision to submit your life to Jesus Christ. And you're still trusting in your own good works for your salvation. You're still hoping that you can one day be found to have done enough good to be saved. And I want you to know that the Bible says in Ephesians 2, 8 that, you know, we are saved by grace through our faith, not of our works. Because God does not want any of us to be able to boast and say that I accomplished this on my own. He wants each and every one of us to realize and acknowledge that we are sinners that cannot save ourselves. And that we believe in what Jesus did on the cross for us to be the final and ultimate and enough, uh, good enough, this satisfying price for the punishment that we had to bear because of our sin. And that if we confess with our mouths that Jesus is our Lord, we believe in what he did for us, for our salvation, that inside of our hearts a miracle will take place and he will make us become alive. The Bible calls it to be born again. And when you've been born again and you don't change your confession of faith in Jesus Christ, that cannot be taken from you ever, no matter if you make mistakes. So if there's anybody here who haven't acknowledged that, and haven't made that confession and would like today, you feel the Lord is tugging on your heart. You need to submit your life to Jesus Christ and trust in Him alone for your salvation. You want to do that today. I want you to put up your hand right now and we will pray together. Jesus wants you to come into a relationship with Him. So just right there where you are, just put up your hand. If you're ready to make this commitment to God, we'll pray together. I know God is working on your hearts. He's tugging on your hearts. That's Him motivating you to take this step of trust because that's what it is. You're trusting that what He says is true and will happen. All right, let's pray for us. Let's pray. Father God, I'm sorry, I was going to pray alone. It's all good. (laughs) Father God, I know that you love each and every person in this house so so intimately and that you would like to walk in such a close relationship with each and every one here and i just pray lord as you're walking with with us that you will draw 
all of us, Lord, unto you more, that you will draw us closer to you, Father, and that for the people in you who haven't come to that place where they're willing to put their trust in Jesus, where they're willing to finally give up their own effort to make themselves good enough and just trust in what you did on the cross, I pray that you will throughout this week speak to their hearts, Lord God, and you'll lead them to that place where they, doesn't matter where they are at, if they're in a shopping mall when they realize it, they're driving in their cars when they're realizing it, or when they're here, here with us next week, that they will put up their hand right there and they'll say, Lord, I put my trust in you. We know that you do not need a church service to save people. You do not need a pastor or anybody. You could do that by your Holy Spirit's conviction inside of people's hearts. And I pray for that conviction to drop in people's hearts. Not only in this room, but over our whole region. Our whole region. And that people will be drawn to this place where Jesus is lifted up. We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen.